Welcome to Maiden HZ. My name is Eric. And my name is Jonathan. And we have the triumphant return of another Eric that you oh, know, oh. know fairly well at this point, I think. The Baseman. The Baseman, bass bass Eric. Good to have you back. And uh, we had, uh, yeah, I actually just asked you, maybe we should plan something for the summer or something like that. But then you were curious, uh, <laughs> so what's in the seas, actually? Yeah. I sent you a list and then, of course, this, this particular setup... Uh, did set you up for for another episode a little bit sooner than yeah. summer because it's a good yeah. one right or what would you say what was your why did you pick this one because you actually got to do that um well, sort of yeah sort of it, it was kind of uh, when we did the first episode the base of the beast i sent it to a, a friend of mine who uh, well grew up with me and my brothers and uh, who i got into maiden and uh, the the one thing he said was oh there was not much of the clairvoyant in that one so i thought let's let's do this episode and make uh, you one uh, happy so <laughs> there's right. that um and yeah i really like these two tracks I've, I've played them quite a lot when i was you know growing up so um, there is that yeah and the they are both harris penned as well all right like, yeah always good to get that in early and I think and so. it's his birthday today. It's his it birthday is, yeah. today. Happy birthday! Sixty-five 60 years old. Sixty-five years old. Stephen Percy Harris. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool, actually. Sixty-five. You know, that we was. Uh, he's about the age of my dad, a little bit younger. So it's always like, uh, you know, catching up to my dad's age all the time. It's like, yeah, I remember when my dad turned sixty-five. That's old. You know, yeah, it's the same here. He's. Let's see. He's five years younger than my dad. He's he's turning seventy this year. So. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. My dad did last year, actually. No, this year, same year. Oh, same age. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, that's sixty-five. It's old, but is it that old? It's not that old anymore, is it? Not that no, old. I'd not. say no. No, not at all. It's shrunk to maybe becoming something of a fifty-five, like late middle age age. Or am I like completely lost? No, here? I, I think you're onto something. And I mean, he's been healthy so long, so. He, yeah. I guess he's in pretty decent shape for being 65, so to speak. He looks pretty fit, I would say. Yeah, yeah. he really does. Well, again, we don't know what this past year has done. You know, he might, he might not no. know. <laughs> he has his own football field still. No, he doesn't, maybe. That was sold, right? That estate. It's always, it always keeps popping up again in the, in yeah. the maiden yeah. feeds. Yeah. Like Steve, Steve Harris's private estate for sale, but I think it's been sold. Or maybe it turned into a hotel or something like that. Yeah, who knows? I know he, he's been busy mixing the. He did the live, uh, the not the Book of Souls, but the the last one that came out, the the Mexico City. Uh, he's been mixing that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry. Um, so I guess, I guess he's keeping busy. I don't think he's the type of guy who just sits around and watches old soccer games and eats fish and chips. I think he yeah <laughs> he enjoys running and stuff like that. He doesn't sit around yeah. much at all, I think. He's not no. known for that. <laughs> no. He's not known for, for being a loafer. 
He's <laughs> 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 pretty much onto something, I think, at every at, the, at every corner, which is why why we like him and probably why he made such a a big stamp on the world, right? Mm-hmm. Very much so. Good kind of footprint too, musical footprint. Yep. Very yeah, a mm-hmm. very good footprint. Um, I've been reading or listening to the Stan Lee biography. And I just finished it today, and yeah, I saw you posted about that. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, it feels good to talk about something more <laughs> positive because that was a pretty dark biography, especially mm. the last chapter. Um, yeah. I, can, I highly recommend it, but um, yeah. But that's the nice, <laughs> and that's the nice part of it that you can be part of a, a biography and then another biography on the same day. And the Steve Harris one is pretty. Is, I mean, it's a just a success story. I would say. Yeah, and. And and pretty, ha- well, ha- yeah, happy, I guess. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, happy, but kind of human happy, you know, like a yeah. indie production rather than a old school Hollywood romantic production. You know, he has had his faces. We've been on to X Factor for sure, right? So it's not exactly. all it's not all happy and jolly. So it's kind of you get the whole you got the whole human picture there. And I don't know. In these songs, we're landing on maybe the younger side. I would say of Steve. Mm, exactly these two which one comes first today Uh, children of the the damn children of the damn yeah so there we go that's pretty young yeah not that Mm. old younger than all of us possibly at this point it's uh, a couple years older than me but uh yeah i think but not by like by because it came out in uh it's 82 right exactly so okay one year older than me yeah six years older than me so yeah so it's a long time ago and how old was steve uh, like uh Mid twenties, probably something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, someone better at math can probably figure this out a lot faster. But uh, he's sixty-five today, so uh, <laughs> uh, sixty-five minus thirty-eight. Twenty-four. Twenty-four. Young. Yeah, young. Yeah, he was young. Twenty-four. Young guy, and that's kind of where we. Uh, I wanted to land with this Steve excursion going into uh, Children of the Damned. So we got Steve uh-huh. at twenty-four years old and writing this song. And I've heard Bruce say that he has a credit on it. But he couldn't be credited because he was oh, exactly a contract, you know, with Samsung. The thing, yeah, yeah so that's what I thought. I think I think there's yeah. like a, several on this, and they, you know, on this yeah. album that he, yeah, on the prisoner as well. I know, yeah. he he had some credit in writing it, and he also yeah. credited Black Sabbath for heavy influence for this song. Uh, and you, I think you can hear it in the riffs even. So maybe some of the riffs could have I, been. I didn't know that. I, I was thinking about that. Yeah, because I was I was uh, going through these songs uh, this week just to be sure that I <laughs> remember them cor- correctly. Yeah, and one thing that dawned upon me was that this song is very much Sabbath, so much because it's it's like the verse and the chorus are the same, same chords essentially. Yeah, uh, the chords in the intro never come back as a verse or something. It's it's the same. Very yeah, Iomi-esque riff, isn't it? You know, very much. It has that. And kind of I mean, also, even though the the title is, uh, I think, taken probably more so from the 1964 movie *Children of the Damned*. Uh, also, I mean, you know, just three or two years earlier, Black Sabbath had a song called *Children of the Sea*. So, you know, I mean, there's probably. Yeah, and Bruce said that too. That particular yeah. one, he even framed it, you know, for for oh. all of us to see, so to speak, by saying like, "Hey, yeah. listen, *Children of the Damned*, *Children of the Sea*," and uh, *Children of the Sea* has a different kind of tempo to it. I think you can hear more of, uh, in my opinion, you can hear more of um, Planet Caravan. You know, oh, yeah. 
it has a similar vibe to Planet Caravan yeah. in that in the intro I believe it's only one minor chord all of them all the, the rest of the chords are majors so it's like Exactly. Very standard. And when you play the bass, it sounds like geezer. <laughs> it kind of yeah. does, right? It's a geezer yeah. like bass line. I mean, it sounds like Steve, obviously, but I think it's very... It's very filly. There, there are a lot of fills in it. Yeah, um, but nicely phrased. Very, very, very much so. Not like um, when, when a gu- guitarist picks up the bass and he goes. Exactly. It's it's no. It's 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 it's. I was thinking about the 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 rhythm section of this song because it's it's Stephen Clive on this one, and they do some really good locking in stuff on it. Uh, like during the solo, there are many like cool little fills that they lock in on that I don't find Nico and Steve do to the same extent. Okay. Um, I find Nico is like more of a powerhouse who improvises a a lot more. I I mean, I I could be wrong on this, but this is my my view on it. And uh, I find that when Steve did stuff with Clive, they kind of, you know, locked in more like a traditional rhythm section to a certain extent. Whereas with uh, Nico, he kind of takes more of the fourth guitar role. It's an interesting point. Yeah, I didn't think about that in this particular song. So now I have another thing to listen for next time I listen, because I didn't really notice this at all. Did you notice it, Eric? Because no, I'm sure now that, that I would. Either, but that, that, that's interesting. Like an interlocking kind of with, is it like Mark's? Fills or yeah, yeah, yeah. Fills and like certain like, um, well, almost uh, stingers. Especially during the solo, there are like uh, kind of quite a few. That's sweet. Like those so kind cool. of things. Isn't that um, where where Clive also goes wild with the floor tom in the middle of the beat? What's happening? Yeah, he does the same kind of groove on the prisoner during the solo there. Tribal, you know. It's very tribal, and it'll, I can I can picture him 
throwing his hair around, like, doing this. Yeah. Uh, he was so much, like, upper arm strength when he played played his drum parts. Like, there is, like, if you watch him play, play like, Wrathchild, there's, mm-hmm. like, only upper arm going there. Yeah, it's <laughs> not much. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, very forceful drumming, really. It's not, yeah. like, uh, gentle to him at all, I no, think. No. But yeah, now I realize again, I really love this song, Children of the Dance. Such a cool song, but uh, I want to hear what you think, Eric Shaw, on this one. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is one of my uh, the earliest ones I remember uh, liking. Um, probably one of the f- earlier ones I, I heard uh, way back when. But I think I the one I, the version I had was a live version, because uh, I had it on some single. I can't remember which one. Uh, I think it was, um, this might be entirely wrong, and I'm sure someone can correct me if, it, if, if I am wrong. I think... In the on the box set, the uh, t- first ten years, uh, one of the singles there I think had uh, had a live version of the song, and I'd borrowed that from a friend, so I had a tape of this the song, a live version though. And I heard, listened to that for so long that I eventually heard the studio version. Uh, I, I didn't like it as much because it didn't have the same you know energy. But, but now you know now it, it took me a little while to get used to it. But yes, it's uh, uh, yeah, I think yeah, it's cool. It's got a it's got a very kind of sp- special vibe, like a very kind of spooky kind of. Um, yeah, whichever, which I very much like. I would say this one is more spooky than uh, the previous time you mentioned spooky, which would have been bring your daughter to the slaughter. I would say this yeah, one. Yeah, no, but that, that's spooky, spooky because that also is written for a horror movie. But yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, we got to that. We got to the point of that very quickly. So <laughs> it's not like an open, an open wound here at Made Need to Z, but this is a little bit more spooky, isn't it? A little yeah. bit more uh, ghost-ish. It's it's of. too uh, just a sort of a sort of peek behind the scenes that when. When I get the, the 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 episode sent to me from Jonathan, he usually puts the two titles together. So, like for instance, uh, let's see. Um, last week we did uh, "Caught Somewhere in Time" uh, and uh, "Chains of Misery," so that became "Caught Somewhere in Chains." It's too bad that um, uh, "Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter" and this song are closer together because then you could have either either "Children of the Daughter." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, I don't know. I realized when I was t- telling that thing that. The payoff at the end was not going to be as funny because I, when, when I actually start rolling the, the title around in my head, I realized it wasn't that good, but it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Let's move on. <laughs> oh, well. Well, it, it ended so, up being brighter than your daughter, which is a triggering right title. <laughs> brighter than your daughter, yeah. yeah it was a triggering title. Anyway, let's yeah, not get it, stuck. It kind of reminds me of, of that Simpson episode when they have their, their band, Homer's uh, Barbershop Quartet. Oh, B-Sharps? And oh, yeah, B-Sharps. That was good. <laughs> I can't remember the last time we were all together. Last year on that stupid Dame Edna special. And a one, and a two, and a three. Boom, 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 boom. Baby on board, how I'm adored. That sign on my car's window pane. Hello, human fly here. Come on, I stayed up all night dying my underwear. Uh, and they're like, yeah, we should call it the B-sharps, because it, it's initially funny, but then the more you think of it, it's kind of... <laughs> less funny it becomes. <laughs> yeah, the less funny it becomes. <laughs> That's so good. Oh, yes, children that. of the Daughters, like, it's funny the first time, it's like, uh, it's, I mean, aren't aren't we all... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I miss watching Simpsons, and it was you watched it totally achronistically, too, I think, because I just put on the TV and it was on at... Mm-hmm. 7.30. I don't know if the Zeta TV mixed up the seasons or whatever, so some episodes would be like, oh, great, this one again. And the B-Sharps mm. was one of those, you know, every time. I think, like, I think the way the way it works, it, it, people out there in the world want to know the, the intricate workings of Swedish television. In the uh, 90s. It, 
I think that the way it works is they did, they did, they bought like a certain amount of seasons and they just showed those. Uh, and then eventually they did put some new ones in there, but I guess they had to have, there's licensing rules when you, this is not interesting to anyone. Let's just move on. <laughs> <laughs> let's, yeah, let's move anyway, on. Simpsons rules. <laughs> No, I know, but just uh, just me just me speculating on how li- TV licenses work. Yeah, I think we got to the point of it for sure. <laughs> we can yeah. get right back to yeah. Children of the Damned, which was based yeah, on anyway. something you could watch on TV, right? Yes. Or at least on yes. the VHS. Yes. Yeah. So it was on a film, right? Mm. Yeah. So in yeah, conclusion, I like the song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> well, okay, the song uh, is based on yeah. some kind of uh, film, right, or book. There's some yeah, there's some horror show. movie I think. I think it's a movie. It's a movie from 1964. Um, I'm just assuming it's based same on same title, that. Children of the Damned, or did he tweak the title ever so slightly? Okay, uh, the Children of the Damned is a 1964 British black and white science fiction horror film, a thematic sequel to 1960s Village of the Damned, which concerns a group of children with uh, similar psi powers uh, in those in the in the earlier film. So it's like kids who can con- control things in their minds. Beware these children. Behind their fiery, hypnotic eyes lurk the demon forces of another world. It's them or us, for these are the children of the damned. Similar psi powers uh, in those in the in the earlier film, so it's like kids who can control things in their minds. Uh, so oh. the, the 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 movie, or sorry, the song doesn't have a hell of a lot to do with the movie. No, no, but that's that's been the case for several of these. Yeah, I think this one may be one of the more loosely based than ever because this is basically just a cool just title, title, and then what could happen around this title? Maybe he's walking like an old man. Uh, if he would have lived, he would have crucified us all. Uh, yeah. you know <laughs> what's going on it's it's yeah. almost well, trippy yeah. it's almost going there again with geezer butler type lyrics you know or, or perhaps dio i think yeah D- dio sort of like very, very much dio yeah there are no rainbows here but we're we're getting close it, it could have been a gypsy that would have done that in in several titles back then because i think mm. i I've sh- I searched for the title gypsy and i think i found 30 classic rock songs <laughs> on that title <laughs> you know and the, D- Dio is very good at writing lyrics about essentially nothing but still making them sound very good because he's a master of nonsense lyrics <laughs> yeah yeah I like him I like him a lot uh, the lyrics yeah. it's all, usually uh, we talked about that with Holy Diver that he puts it in a in a safe space so he can just you know talk shit about anyone but it would be about this dwarf or this troll instead you know <laughs> yeah. that's the Dio technique yeah. but I think the Harris technique is just to he gets this cool title and then he just writes this right what would you say yeah, loosely based on the movie or inspired by the movie yeah or like in the case of Alexander the Great reciting his entire life <laughs> yeah straight from the encyclopedia <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. so the Wikipedia yeah, yeah we, we, he uh, couldn't have used Wikipedia so at least he used like probably a, an actual book encyclopedia and he looked up Alexander the Great and then he just ripped that but yeah note for note or something like that but but this Uh, song is kind of like you said it's it's spooky it has that 60s horror movie vibe to it in in the lyrics yeah uh, at at least to me Um, i like the lyrics actually sorry continue especially when it goes into the the, now it's burning his hands. He's starting to laugh. Uh, smiles as smiles as the flames tears his flesh, or something like that. Pretty much, it's uh, melting his face. It, it, it's screaming it's, it's, in pain. Well, I, I just, I just, I haven't really 
peeling the skin it. from his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I wrote, I just read something here about someone had a theory that it's about the, um, uh, you know, when the atom, atom, ball, atom bombs fell on Hiroshima and stuff, that's what it could be about. Watch him uh, die. Kind of, according to Ken. Kind of makes sense. Kind of yeah. makes sense, though. Hmm. That yeah. could kind of work. That's interesting. Yeah, it really could. If it was that, that would be pretty interesting, yeah. Maybe it's a case of overanalyzing, like, uh, after, after the is, fact, definitely. but it's a good one. I like that kind of stuff. It's a very good analysis yeah. or application of the, the lyrics. I've yeah. always been okay with that. You know, you overanalyze after the fact and maybe you come up with something that it was not intention, intended, right? It doesn't really matter. It could still be somehow in the essence of the meaning of the song, even though Steve yeah. didn't know it. No, exactly. Yeah. Which makes it I mean, even cooler. Cool song. Also ties it to Black Sabbath because they have Electric Funeral, which is about that. Oh, yeah. More, more clearly so, Electric Funeral is about that atom bomb kind of thing. Yeah, we also did them, and they've also, I mean, they, 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 they also, you know, Maiden would touch on that stuff again yep. know, in 2006. And also, there's, in, probably, uh, there's probably more. In 1990 as well, right? Tail Gunner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true. So, so they're, fam they're familiar with the atom bomb. <laughs> they are. They are. And in, in Two Minutes to Midnight, it's on the cover, cover art. There's an atom bomb. Okay, yeah, so they've, and, they've and, used this, they use this concept quite a bit. And, and the title is referring to nuclear holocaust, so yep. there's that. Yep, yep. So, uh, the atom so bombs are commonplace in this band, basically. Yeah, they've, they've, they've like got they're it full all. of atom yeah, bombs, as many as Megadeth, probably. No, no. <laughs> Hard to do that. It's like trying to updo, uh, outdo Dio in terms of rainbows. Right, so. right. But wait, so wait, uh, Megadeth, just, just for fun, how many, uh, spontaneously name a couple. Do they actually rename it more so than it's more so that the name Megadeth refers to an atom bomb? But yeah, but, but I don't I don't think they mention it way often. Not really. No, right? okay. they have a few in the covers though. There is that military mm. intelligence. Two words together that can't make sense. <laughs> That's all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> That's from Holy Wars. Yeah, but that doesn't mention the atom bomb. No, no. I saw uh, first time I saw Megadeth. We're open, they were opening for uh, Black Sabbath. Oh, sorry, uh, um, Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden, yeah, ninety nine, right? Yeah. yeah, they had a record oh, signing uh, thing right before, which was fun. Everyone was everyone was very nice, except for Dave Mustaine. <laughs> oh, he was very nice. If you happened to be a you know a a, a, a girl, he was way nicer to you then. Yeah. Uh, so he was not particularly thrilled with my presence. <laughs> I don't think he looked up. It didn't make it didn't make his day when you turn up. No, no, and I wouldn't expect it to. That'd been weird and probably slightly uncomfortable if the arrival of a fifteen-year-old boy made his day complete. Please sign this. Oh yeah, that's oh, right. Okay, there we go. That was fun. It was fun seeing. It was fun. That was fun. good. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good scene in my head actually when you when you rock up there. <laughs> like, David Stain is not thrilled. Yeah, <laughs> oh, he did, yeah. You know, I think he's still happy that you listened to his music and liked it, though. Everyone yeah, I'm should. Sure everyone sure should be actually. Everyone should be. No matter yeah, the age. Should. Yeah. So yeah. No, I mean, he didn't. He didn't. You know, if you he, listen, he you're listening to Made Nate to Z and you happen to be a 15 year old boy, go for it. You know. Yeah, it's great. Keep, cool. keep listening. Yeah. yeah, keep listening. It's good fun. I don't know. No, how I, th I think, like I said, I think that if he were to go. No, never mind. I already yeah. said that. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm not gonna. No, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we're not. We're we're, no. we're not terribly X-rated. At least I think most countries it would be legal to listen from an age of fifteen. This. I mean, I, I, I swear a lot. Yeah, yeah, and there could be references to hard drugs and stuff too. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I like to swear in reference to hard drugs in China. It's a problem, you know. 
We're not going to be in China. Well, when, we, when China, we're not going to be able to do, we're not going to be able to get through the whole catalog because when we get to Power Slave, we have to say call Wicker, Wicker Man. Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh-oh. Back on track. Back on track. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I think it was my we, fault. Yeah. <laughs> no, no it's, it's okay. It was fun. Lar- it was a fun detour. Largely mine, yeah. I think, too. Yeah. So, uh, Eric with bass. Mr. Eric. Eric with bass. Yeah. Uh, you have more on this song musically because I think it's a lot of things happening, uh, right? The structure could be quickly addressed. It has that intro with a lot of normal cowboy chords, kind of yeah, almost exactly. Metallica and, and sounding. You know, you could hear references in uh, Unforgiven 2 is very closely related to. Children of the Damned intro. If you listen to them back to back, I could probably Mm -hmm. cut in like five seconds each and you can hear it. Or it's all over YouTube, mm. basically. It is a similar groove and melody. Uh, very Metallica-sounding. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess it both tie back to Sabbath, probably. Very much. I mean, when you said that, uh, the, the credit thing, it, it kind of, it all made sense to me. Because I was thinking of that when I was uh, re- revis- revisiting the song. Like the... Yeah, uh, it's it's very Sabbath, and it's not very Steve to go go to the exactly. to the B there. All the it's definitely a Sabbath kind of. It's, it's it's very Sabbath kind of move, a very Sabbath kind of riff. Yeah, uh, but then it, it it really goes to the maiden. Oh yeah. When it goes to that one, yeah. it, it, it all it all it all comes back to to where it's supposed to be. I think that's a place where you can say hell yeah, because it's just it's yeah, and it's also hell. You know, the flames are rising yes. underneath this kid. <laughs> you know, it's tearing the skin from his eyes. <laughs> that's gotta hurt. Watch him die. Not, not, not a good situation. <laughs> no, not ideal. Not ideal. But maybe for this kid, he's so demented. So it's ideal. It's an ideal situation because he's smiling, uh-huh. right? Smiling, yeah, exactly. yeah, he's, 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 he's having a laugh. As he's say. clearly like, ha ha, watch me die. <laughs> he has issues. <laughs> he has, he has issues. <laughs> yeah, deep issues. <laughs> poor kid, uh, poor kid. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's musically, rough. it's 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 pretty straightforward. Other than that, I loved it so much at age 12, 13, because I understood it. Sometimes that's a treat when you listen to music when you're, you know kind of just aspiring to start playing music yourself and you can understand it it's very comforting and it makes sense uh, and there are a lot of strong melodies like the um <laughs> is that one uh, yeah i i, I always, always that lit. sounds so cool it's very nice yeah I, I, I listened to the party day with uh, Fatheme yeah. uh, when I was picking up my wife today nice. uh, from work, uh, and you were talking about the cheese, the cheese factor. And I mean, these melodies—they are a bit cheesy, but they are still delivered with that, you know, conviction that only yeah, 
24-year-old Steve Harris can can bring to the table. It's really fierce, and, isn't it? You know, it doesn't really matter if you come in with a cheesy idea when you come in with it super fierce. Like, listen uh-huh. to this. <laughs> like, the delivery exactly. and the power and, and your attitude is everything. So it doesn't really matter if it's... Moving in like a bulldozer, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and Clive does this nice snare build-up oh, yeah. there. That's beautiful. The, the 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 syncopated shyness. Yeah, it's 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 a very it's a very great testament to his playing and to Martin Birch's production oh, yeah. as well. Because this, is, I mean, the entire album is so well produced. I, I thought about that in the car, like how Number of the Beast and sounds so good. Uh, and uh, Seven Sun are like my favorite Maiden albums from the 80s in terms of production because this one is so it's so clear you can hear everything yeah uh, without anything being too loud if, if that makes sense I mean some some people make up for you know uh, uh, stuff like that and mix it by raising something way too high in the, in the mix but mm. everything is, is so well balanced it's like it's the template if someone was to yeah, clone maiden. It's like here, here's the template. Here's how it should sound. I actually know for a fact that, uh, for example, the band, a pretty good band, actually called uh, Night Demon. They did that. They put the, they took that as the template for the mix, the mix sessions. It was Number of the Beast. Like this is what we wanted to sound like, and they did get a good mix. Of course, not as good as the original, but that's a different story. But I just wanted to, um, I guess, bring strength to the argument that it's kind of a template, the way it sounds. It's um, perfect, perfect mm-hmm. production. In my opinion, it's nothing I would change. And also with the Clive beat you addressed, I've heard drummers starting to use that, and I'm very happy. Like there's a guy in <laughs> Quiller Talk, for example, Norwegian band. Mm-hmm. Uh, the drummer is very good, and I think he he often gets into the. Yeah, the 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 burr build up. The burr build it's, up is a very powerful way to bring you know a pause, but also a charge up uh, in a heavy metal context. I would say very very good. Exactly. Uh, Good other than that, I mean, the solo is, is great. I don't know who plays it. Is it like, is it a dual thingy, like both of them, or is it just? Yeah, I think Adrian? Uh, it's, I think it's I, Adrian. Adrian, but it may have double tracked himself, double tracked himself on a part of it, uh, just to make it thicker or something like that. I wanted to practice it before today, but uh, been struggling to get the time for that, so I just looked at a couple of riffs. But I think it's something I would like to play because as a kid, it was the most awesome I've ever heard a guitar sound. And when I listen to it now, I'm kind of agreeing with my 12-year-old self. It is still the most awesome I've ever heard a guitar sound, like when when he hits that tapping part. Uh, You know, when when he does it live, they do, um, or last time they did at least, he uses, uh, one of the only songs he uses, uh, Double Neck uh, Jackson for that one. All right. If I'm not entirely, I think so. Yeah, with the the 12-string for for the intro end. Yeah, but that's pretty much just show off. You don't need that. No, especially no, when you got two other guitar players in the band. <laughs> you don't need that at all. You know, it just looks it looks badass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looks cool. I mean, that's just, uh, whatever reason. What, what other reason do you need to bring out a dual neck? Exactly, it looks that's awesome. It looks awesome. I mean, it's, yeah. it's like a it's, minor uh, convenience that you can play both, and then it also looks cool because they use the yeah, also they use the reverse headstock, so the headstocks meet right at the top. Yeah, also. yeah, which is a cool neat trick. I mean, it, it looks cool, but I mean, like if you ever hold one, ever, have you ever tried to play on one of those? It's not particularly comfortable. No, I have a. It's heavy. It's I, have heavy a coll- I have a band colleague that plays one, and he's not a huge guy, but he's pretty strong actually, so he can hold it up. But he's uh, struggling with the weight for sure. 
like he, he, he calls it the fridge, you know, bringing the fridge in. It's like when I, there's a, I, I played a triple neck or tried one very briefly. Like this is fucking, there's no reason for this. <laughs> triple neck. No. And then you got, you got uh, Michelangelo uh, Botio. What? Michelangelo Botio. Oh yeah. The, yeah like Spinning quadratic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was hanging out with him and he let me know. Uh, no, but uh, <laughs> I had it. the, I, um, I, I've also tried, uh, or not, I haven't tried this, but uh, Rick, Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick infamously has a five neck, but that is just for fun. Mm. That's not like, this is a convenient okay, situation yeah. for me to. And it's a cheap trick. Yeah, it's, it yeah. literally is a yeah. cheap trick. Yeah. It's a cheap trick. Oh, there we go. Very good. I know I know. Billy Sheehan plays a double neck with Sons of Apollo, and Bumblefoot plays the dual neck guitar. Yeah. yeah. One is fretless and one is fretted. Which that is, makes more sense, because that's two different, yeah, very different things. Exactly. And Billy has one tuned to B and one to standard. So, mm. I mean, there is there is that, but still, it's it also looks cool. Yeah, looks what cool. other reason do you need? Yeah, of course, good show. And I think, uh, I mean, this song has, um, it is pretty basic, as you say. So maybe it's a good show, good, like kind of a good place to show off in other ways than just, you know, the, the, the speedy riffs or anything like that. It's more of a building, you know, building blocks type song, I would say. More in the classic rock exactly. orientation in that sense, you know. More classic rock than heavy metal in a way, but it's also very heavy metal in the way they present it. Again, very in your face aggressively, or at least in 10 intense you know what did Henrik say he took away aggression and he said intensity i think i think that's what he said something like that it was a better that word sounds, anyway it sounds like something he would say yeah and it, <laughs> it has that you know good song and i guess the music trumps the lyrics a little bit but the lyrics they 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 follow it up nicely i would say yeah they work and they they suit the song the, li- the lyrics um yeah definitely suit the song uh and uh and even you know it, it, the the eventual source or the shortcomings that it might be in there, you got to also. This is a twenty four year old who, who wrote a song, you know, like along with like a twenty one year old, yeah, with with Bruce. So yeah, I mean, they wrote a song, you know, let's say like thirty. I guess it's going to be thirty seven years ago at this point that people are still talking about today. Yep, I think I think you can. You know, it's it's not all yeah. going to be. Fucking yeah, and that's a testament to to the song oh. itself. You said it there. Yeah, and it brings us to the also the last thing I wanted to touch on, and it's how, how celebrated has this song been? What would you say? Has it been well celebrated by the band, like well kept alive over the years? I'd say so. Yeah, I think they did it a few tours ago. Uh, Book of Souls tour, they did it. Yeah, yep. exactly. So, I mean, they, they brought it up, and it's it's a hard song to sing yep. for Bruce, because he was really in his prime when he did the, the, the album recording of this one. Like he had the extreme highs in his voice still, which are due to age, like yeah. not the same oh, the, these days. But speaking of which, we have to listen to the final tone. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. It has to be in here. It's just, just oh, yeah, you'll hear it. Yeah, he's not yeah. sparing any any juice. It's <laughs> full on there. Yeah, he, he went from the high to the high G, <laughs> and with no uh, yes. with no technique, probably you know, he's just forcing it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 just just going for it. Yeah, probably couldn't do that live on a nightly basis. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> right, no. But it, it, but it, who could? it is really good on Live After Death. I like it a lot on that one. So. I think Eric just told me that you heard the live version first, right? Yeah, it might have been yeah. from there. I, I, I don't know. 
because for me it was studio version first and then a live version was an awesome alternative to that. So I could go back and forth between them because I think it's really, really good on Live After Death. It has the right fire to it, you know. I also do, I do like the live chapter. Yeah, yeah, I like live chapter in general. I think it's a brilliant compilation of live recordings. Really, really good quality on most of them. Mm. You know. They did it on Hammers on, on Beast Over Hammersmith. It's on there as well. Yeah, right? that's oh, probably yeah. the one I heard of. Mm. Yeah, and that's the roar, uh, harder, a little bit. You yeah, know, very much so. That, that entire concert is very much yeah. like. Uh, it's a cool. I don't one. want to say punky, but you get you get the point. <laughs> but he's also back then doing a lot more uh, with his vocals. What I would say, sort of showing off. If you understand, I mean, there, there's yeah, there's bits yeah. that aren't on the album where he has to sort of do a little bit more stuff, and that's fine. That's fine. But it's on, you know, it's it's, it's not necessary really. But I like uh, that he's on top of things, though. I like that he's not settling for four out of five. You know, he's going to be six no, no. and a half out of five. It's it's yeah, blues, you know, a, at least. It's just, uh, we're not that kind of people you know we, we, we wouldn't understand you know <laughs> i think we'd be like happy to to just deliver it nicely but he's like now nah, i have to prove that it's um, you know above the well, this bar. is also this is also the sort of first big tour with him yeah you know? and the first album and, and everything he so to, he you know he definitely wants to prove uh, himself prove himself and uh, like ingvi said how can less be more yeah. more is more he it's, would know uh <laughs> i mean he's a hero <laughs> Very interesting guy. <laughs> I'm gonna get that. Uh, that's like the one thing I want to tattoo on my yeah. body somewhere. Is is more is more. I, I want that. Think what you shit, like. Think what you want about Ingvi, but he's he's a fun character. He always brings a smile to my face. You know. Well, oh, he is entertaining. I mean, yeah, that's, very that's entertaining like, yeah. character, and also a good guitarist. I've not my kind of guitarist, but in what he does, a great tone and feel. And you know, people, if you ask these senior musicians from Sweden, like old blues guys, like how good is he actually? They usually say. Like, you know, he's better, he's better than he even <laughs> understands himself, which is a paradox with Ingve. Also, or, considering you know, considering the, I mean, yeah, he's, he, he's not shy about pointing out that exactly. he's that he's fairly good, no, no, no. fairly good on guitar, at, at, at you know playing guitar. I think bottom line uh, is that he's a great guitarist, probably. <laughs> it's like yeah, really so I, th I think that yeah, you know, it might be true that he's not aware how good he is. He seems to be pretty aware. I'll say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think he had a crossfeed probably. Like when he was younger, this was true, right? And that's mm -hmm. what they remember. But as he got older, he probably thinks higher and, you know, yeah. form is running running out. Oh, there you go. We don't know. The Ingrid Man was from A to Z. Oh, he's probably never <laughs> <No>. to come. <laughs> <laughs> the world does not want that to no. that, I don't think. <laughs> probably never to happen. No. But we I mean, are, we're moving along in this podcast because I think yes. we've got a good landing there on Children of the Damned. Yeah. So yeah. on the list or not? For me, on yes. The list. Yes. Yes. Uh, might I add, I was thinking about should this one be because the, the songs on Number of the Beast are kind of, you know, there are some songs that probably shouldn't be there, like Gangland and the opening track. Because mm -hmm. I, I was mm -hmm. thinking about like if I should, if I were to get the opportunity to redo number of the beast yeah. would the, this one would absolutely still be on the album for sure i probably i probably would add a uh, total eclipse and remove like gangland and probably have number of the beast as the opening track but this one is definitely on the album and on the list yeah speaking it's, of that it would be really yeah. cool if sorry eric but it would be really oh, cool if, if uh, the the opening track was number of the beast going into this one that'd be a very spooky kind of setting the mood type vibe and then third song what could that be the prisoner probably to you know brighten it up a little bit and and 22 of course is an amazing song uh, it's just i mean if you just get rid of those music. two songs yeah and invaders i could 
Tachydon second to last, but then we have Gangland, which I prefer, so yeah. Invaders has oh. some badass riffs in it, but it's completely ruined yeah, it does. by the, by the uh, chorus. It's brilliant. It's very, very deep purple, yeah. in, in a way. Sorry, now we're straying. digressing. We're straying, but we're <laughs> still close to where we at least started this episode. But it is supposed to move in a different direction, and that is... Uh, Again, to my favorite album, Seventh Son. Yeah. Messed things up when I'm when I'm doing this. <laughs> Sorry, it <laughs> sounds fucking great, man. Yeah, it sounds really good. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a very cool song. And do you know the I, the chords from the verse, the the bright ones? Yeah, it's the. No, 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 sorry. Okay, uh, so the chords are, let's, let's see, it's... Uh yeah, those are the chords for the verse and I, I remember hearing those and thinking like this is this is also a spooky song isn't it it's it's yeah. pretty spooky but i would call it super melancholic this verse because usually you know quite often maiden would be in a minor key but uh -huh. this sounds somehow sadder and maybe you could get into the roots of why this particular sequence sounds so sad if it's a coloring type note a sus or something on top of it no it's uh, it's actually because if you ask me it's because the intro is so happy is in major, yeah, it's in, yeah, in D, D major, major. Yeah. and all of a sudden we're transported to D minor. <laughs> oh yeah, not even E minor, that's right, it's in D no, minor. No, no, so this song, it's like all over the place, Modulation, harmonically. Yeah. yeah, when it comes to the harmony, it starts off in D major. Yep. Uh, let's see if I can... Like it's in some sort of D part, and then it goes to D uh, riff there. But it, it, it's pretty much in like a major uh, vibe to it, and then it switches to a D minor mode. Yeah, <laughs> like that. Well, which chords is uh, in the D minor uh, passage? D minor and then D minor, C minor, uh, C major. Sorry, uh, G minor. B flat, C. Oh yeah. It's that G minor that makes it sadder, extra sad. Exactly, because right? Steve usually goes to B flat, yeah. but here it goes to the G minor instead. Yeah. It's uh, the G minor is extra key, extra drama key, and I think it's a very mm -hmm. dramatic sounding song. 
what do you say on that, Eric Shaw? I think it's kind of the origin of, of Steve's idea for the whole album concept came with this uh, clairvoyant lady, actually, in the, in the case of reality. Yeah, it, it, it's, okay. it's kind of cool because it starts off with this very kind of upbeat, kind of punky kind of riff. Um, and then it goes to completely different, you know, this very dramatic and very, very dark. Uh, even lyric wise, is very. Uh, I mean, I remember an ex uh, of mine who has has doesn't like the uh, thinking of the issue of death and has had has sort of had problems with, uh, um, you know, with the idea of that you know that one eventually is going to die. Uh, you know, I found this song fucking terrifying because you know it, yeah. it does sort of you know <laughs> bring that subject up, so to say. Um, but it's, it's a, a, yeah. she probably has that in common with Steve. I just wanted to add. Because oh, yeah. for me, it's not terrifying, but then it makes more sense to have this dramatic tone to the concept of, you know, can, yeah. could you foresee your own death is the, is the story of the song, basically. Just that question. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, had this, he knew this um, clairvoyant, right, uh, from TV. And, and she died and he wondered, could she, could she have foreseen that? For me, that's not really a curious topic or question, but maybe if you have a different alignment in your attitude towards death and dying, it could be a very scary topic. Uh, something like that. I think infamously... Um, I mean, uh, people who have that, who are, you know, who are, who are said to have that ability, you know, couldn't really use it on themselves. A very paranoid uh, like, vibe that you get. Feel a sweat break on my bow. Is it me or are there shadows that are dancing on the walls? Mm. Is this a dream or is it now? It's 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 pretty. It's very spooky and it's um, almost paranoid. Like I said, it's yeah, um, definitely. Yep. And he he does some cool uh, things, if I may may continue with the bass uh, department, Definitely. because uh, in the intro it goes like that from roots up, but then in the verse he plays that, but then so he kind of inverts it and turns it into minor instead. Yeah, yeah. Which is really That's cool. Cool, uh, and then he does the classic Steve Harris move, which is just move the entire thing down a semitone or two semitones. Sorry. And then we go into the chorus. <laughs> yeah, which also moves in modulations, right? Yeah, and which is just one chord. It starts on E or D. And then they move so it up to you're down to C, down to yeah. C, which is also like uh, anti Eurovision Song Contest yeah. <laughs> standards. It's, it's the maybe moves up on the last note or something, but it, it, it stays in those two minor. Exactly. So this song is all over the place harmonically. Yeah. And then the solo goes into E major, not even E minor. It's, it's the intro riff again, but in E. Yeah. <laughs> the so, happiest ever solo runs in the beginning, like <laughs> going full Mozart, you know, it goes Mozart mode for a bit. Yeah, it's it's a great solo, yeah. and but it's if you were to dissect this in the music theory class, you would probably 
pull your hair out. It's like, what, what, yeah, I mean, what, yeah. what does it do? And also, if you, if you compose this and handed it in, people would wonder, how is this composed? You know, because it's, again, like yeah. you said way before in Base of the Beast and also in, uh, yeah, mostly in Base of the Beast, but probably also in the, the subsequent episode. But anyway, that Steve likes to move his boxes around with no care mm-hmm. to, to the scales. Exactly. And this song is prime example of that. You know, that's what's happening. Very much so. But all exciting riffs. They're all good. Yeah. So they kind of tie together in, in, in energy instead of correct composition. When's the exactly. last time and they did this live? That must have been, uh, was it maybe? A lot. maybe? This, is, this one is, if we talk about Children of the Dam being properly celebrated, this one is properly celebrated. I think I've seen it like four times. All right. Oh. Uh, I know they did uh, it in 2003. Uh, yeah, because that, uh, that concert was broadcasted on the P3. Yep. Uh, so, so I had the bootleg of that yeah. one. I remember Bruce doing some uh, some uh, ranting, no, not ranting, but like some poetic chanting in the beginning, like a prophet's disaster. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I, I can't remember the mm-hmm. words, but he was uh, saying something uh, high and mighty cool. before the song kicked off. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that live, and also I saw it on Made in England, and also on uh, Somewhere Back in Time. Or Back in Time, yeah, yeah. That, that so, then. So that's three of them, and I think that's it, probably three times. It's a very good song. It's very proggy. It's very like proto yeah. prog metal. Uh, it is, especially when you, when you listen to drums. Like there are so many. If if Children of the Damned have some of Clive Burr's more uh, special sauces, this one has a lot of Nikos, like the. Yeah. Uh, Maybe we should listen a little bit to Nico on this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, this one is oh, also oof. available as isolated tracks, and I haven't even checked them out myself yet. But can't you know? Can't keep my hands off these. Mm-hmm. Sounds like the intro to Shaft. <laughs> <laughs> locks it up so good 
This is actually a demented I mean, drum track. Yeah. So much going on. It's so much. There are so many beats. <laughs> like, he, he does pretty much everything in this song. Like, all of his signature stuff. That chorus was insane. Or, yeah, as Eric said, the disco beat. Yeah. It's it, so busy. It, it's a bit... It's a bit like Mike Portnoy would play. Yeah. Uh, like later on, these hi hat fills. It's 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 crazy good. Getting absolutely busy. <laughs> and I mean, I, I've tried when I did the demo of the Steve Harris pedal on YouTube. Uh, I tried to mimic Nico's playing in in my uh, track, and I think I spent more time programming the drums for that one than I ever done before. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, he never plays the same beats for for another section, which yeah. I think is kind of what makes him and Steve play differently together than Steve and Clive. Good point. Yeah, yeah. and also it's the beauty of Nico's playing that has this always feeling free. He's never feeling forced. If we're talking about Clive's no. upper arms, you know, like he's working the docks. You know, he's <laughs> yeah, loading, yeah, but he's loading is, them boxes. You know, onto ships. This is this is like, just, ah, this is just relaxed. When he was young, also when he was in Maiden. So obviously you're not starting to feel any problem with that at that age. No, uh, but Nico is, is more ergonomic. You know, he just looks. He sits weirdly though. He sits super low. I know this. Like he sits almost so that your knees are hitting your. You know, uh, he's a tall guy as well. So yeah, there's, he sits <laughs> there really, that, really low. Strangely low, people say. And then also his high kit. So that's you know a plus reason why you can't see Nico most of the time. No, yeah. But um, yeah, if, when he plays. Again, to your point, it's more free, more like non-caring and having a good time, but also keeping the fort, obviously. Still playing heavy metal. Fluid. Yeah. I was just going to say that I wasn't almost, uh, I mean, I've, I know, I've always, obviously always known there's, you know, there's been aware there's so many different sort of tempo changes in this song, but it became very, very, very apparent, or even more so, when you just hear the drums. Yeah, very much so. And his, his right foot in the verses, like... I mean that's yeah. that's hard. That's so hard, and it does it with one kick. He didn't play a double kick yeah. like he did on Face in the Sand later on. It was this is a single yeah. kick. Now, do we have the isolated bass track? Yeah, we have that too. Yeah, but we we almost got to listen to another isolated track first because this performance is also on on the level of the drums we just heard. Oh, such a good performance this one. Feel the sweat break on my brow. Is it me or is it shadows that are dancing on the walls? Is this a dream or is it now? Is this some vision or normality I see before my eyes? That it seems that the power's getting stronger every day. I feel a strength and in a fire. But I'm scared I won't be able to control it anymore There's a time to live and a time to die When it's time to meet the maker There's a time to live, but isn't it strange That as soon as you're born you're dying You can really hear the Dio influences Mm -hmm. from those high notes right? Holy crap! Yeah, I, I've I've never thought of that, but like those, 
Oh. Yeah, he really tries to go for that yeah. Dio type gain, right? And I think he yeah. almost gets there. Obviously, he can't do Dio, but I think it's really, really good performance in this one. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, and those, those bends were again insane. Those bends, the wow. Yeah. When it, when, yeah, crazy good. Very good performance, right? And the, the mm, verses, the verses too. I don't know how much they've edited this to make it get such a good performance, but I, they couldn't do that much because you hear the headphone leakage and. Um, exactly. Kind of I mean, I mean, it's pitchy here and there, but that's what makes it a great performance. Yeah. It's human. Yeah, yeah. There is no, there is no like melodyne post processing. There is just straight to tape, yeah. and then through some very expensive <laughs> consoles, but still. Yeah, and I think uh, unbelievably good. the fact that it's non-fixed makes the control feel more like actual control, right? You're actually perf- exactly. you're actually performing. You're actually showing this is. How much I can control my voice, which is very good. He's controlling it ninety-five uh, percent, but it's those last five percent that proves that he got he's got ninety-five percent. If you have a hundred percent, it doesn't prove anything, right? There's no performance no. in a perfect pitch. The performance no. is lost. And then that said, obviously in some genres you can perform very, very pitch perfect and still add flair to it. But I think in in heavy metal, it's not shouldn't be pitch first. Should no. never be pitch no, first, yeah. really. Like here, this is a prime example of the story first or the feeling first, because he really tells the story of the lyrics with his singing. It's oh, it's it's, it's so good, very powerful, also very much so. I think it's one of his very most powerful. powerful performances, and that's why I like that they bring it out live because you can always trust Bruce on this one. It really works in his favor. Yeah, it's 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 right. Yeah, it's right in a sort of sweet spot. Yeah. It's a good chorus also. Yeah, it's it's a very like it's 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 uh, it's catchy. There's a time to live and a time to die. When it's time to meet the maker. There's a time to live, but isn't it strange that as soon as you're born you die? I remember like this album it's from the same year as me. So it, it kind of meant a lot to me like when I started yeah. to learn the songs from it. And uh, yeah, like I said, it's pretty much proto prog metal. What what prog metal would would become later on, but with a heavy metal twist. But the way that, like I played earlier, the chords and uh, like the rhythms and everything, it's 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 very cool. I remember when I first heard it, I thought it was threes, like as I thought it was triplets, essentially, like. But sixteenth notes, which makes a lot more sense when once you start learning it. But I remember, like everything threw me off when I was learning it because I was feeling it in, in threes, which is very nerdy to oh, yeah. <laughs> point out now. But yeah, well, cool. but, but it's yeah, it's, it's it's such a cool song. It's very weird when once you put it underneath like the lens and you go and start dissecting it. It's like that doesn't make harmonically sense. But it, it works, yeah. and it, it's it, yeah because they have a synth track as well. But that's more you know only the basic index finger, the, the strings and the pads, index finger type pads. But very nicely sounding. It has this Juno, you know, it's pre-digital, just about I think uh, the synthesizers on on this one. So there's a lot of nice kind of retro sounds, but not really because it was current then, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you know Modern. what I mean. It is. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. know what you mean. <laughs> But yeah, that it, it's kind of. I mean, these two tracks are pretty <laughs> on 
opposite of the the last ones I was <laughs> talking with you guys about. These are pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, which is nice and refreshing. Refreshing. Yeah, <laughs> but still musically somehow challenging. Uh, like these performances are so top and. I also realized when we listen to the drum tracks, amazing drum track, but uh, that it's faster than it comes out as. You know, it has this kind of yeah. mellow, it has a mellow sentimental vibe or tone to it with a more aggressive chorus or more menacing perhaps. But then it also, it's quite quick underneath the surface. You know, the way it moves has a high beat, yeah. high tempo to it. But never feel stressed, which is important because you can play a fast song and it can feel relaxed. But and this one does it; it doesn't feel stressed, like uh, as if it's about to break down. It's it feels uh, relaxed in a way, relaxed and which is, sort of even anchored for being that quick paced. You know, yeah, yeah, which is cool. It it makes it a very strong song. I think very strong, kind of obvious from yeah. the list. I would say too, right? Definitely, I totally agree. I actually took the liberty when I added the last song. I put this one on there immediately because I knew what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. um, I should point out. Let me see here. Is we, it full we yet? Got thir- what? It's not full we right? Got, no, no, not yet. That that'd be almost almost impossible. I think we we haven't done fifty songs yet. I would no, imagine, I think we've we, done thirty five or something. We've done thirty five songs. Yeah, almost. I think we've done like twenty. Pre- we wrote up at almost twenty percent of their songs. I realized at one point. It's crazy. Oh, that's impressive. Very yeah. well done. <laughs> Well done, us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, we're up well to 13. So, yeah, I think at some point, uh, you know, sooner rather than later, we got to, you know, or, or not, no, I mean, no, it would be a while till it's full, but we got to. Yeah. We, we're going to have to think with tactical minds on this one, you know. <laughs> but, 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 I mean, there's some songs on here I can't, I, I'm pretty sure aren't going to be there at the end. Yeah. The this assassin. one obviously is, I think. It's going mean, to stay, it's gonna we'll stay see, longer than the Assassin, probably, right? I would I would hope so, yes. One would hope so. I think a lot of energy in these songs, at least for me, because uh, I didn't come in as upbeat as I am now. It's kind of these songs no, are... No, I'm going to... They're almost like a, a boxing game, you know, you have to be on your feet. Yeah, up, up yeah get psyched. Things happening all the way through and transitions. Very entertaining, fun songs. Yeah. Like a good on a Friday like this one. I'm definitely yeah, going to listen these, to these them should be on the, right after. the live set list of the Maiden Need to See tribute. Oh, band. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. They're given. They're oh, given. yeah. We got to do that too. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. We have, that would be we cool. have a start for it at least. You know, where was your, me and Christian? Uh, yeah. Exactly. You're Christian. And probably there's the drums, interest, interstars. Yeah. I think oh, I know yeah, a guy. Yeah, definitely. Think, yeah. <laughs> Maybe do that. I know. A few. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think bass was one of the toughest. And then obviously singing, but we'll get to that when that's an actual problem, you know. It's an, it's an okay that. problem to have. Yeah. I think I have I think I have the the one for that one, but I'll leave it leave it at that.
really cool. Pretty fast paced again, you know. You can tell when you listen to the rhythm section that they have to work this song. On the guitar yeah, is very much the guitar is a little yeah. bit more flying on top of it, but the guitar the bass and the drums, they are working the shifts, you know. Whoa. Cool stuff. You, you gotta stay stay focused there. I I kinda <laughs> I kinda went to went to the fandom zone there for, for a no, second. During when you're playing there, during your playing, I, I just thought about maybe how to connect the two songs that we discussed today. Yeah. And that they both have this kind of Steve is just nearing a topic, nearing a concept which involves death in two very different ways. One is this self-mutilating demon child, you know, uh, that that appears, but it concerns death in a way. And then you have this, uh, um, you know, clairvoyant dying at an old age, and Steve kind mm. of pondering with that. So it's very again naive, Steve. I would say a childish kind of Steve that just goes for one feeling. He gets a concept, he gets a feeling, he writes a song, and yeah. maybe that's why they are so strong and so full of energy. There's no second guessing yourself here. I think you're just going for an emotion that you felt at some point and you're turning it into music and then the music is turning itself into history let's not forget the end of the song and being reborn again and again and again yeah <laughs> super cheerful yeah. at the end yeah, yeah. yeah. it's kind mm. of it, it going it, it, almost it, buddhist it, at the end you know it it ends in major it Oh, so it, a lot of that on Seventh Son actually, where where they use minor and major to portray, like for example, at the end of the title track, there's also the, the uh, evil meets good in the in the way it's harmonized. Uh, and this song with the light and shade again, and that ties back to Black Sabbath too. Tony Iommi said that he, he exactly. always wanted light and shade because otherwise the shade is not dark anymore. You know. No, my, uh, sorry to, to, to digress, but my, my father is a printmaker. He, he does etchings and whatnot. And there you got to work with light and shadow because uh, you, you can create light by uh, adding shadow, so to speak, because you can only, the, the only light you can add is white. Mm. The, 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 the color of the paper, so to speak, that's the brightest you can go. So in order to make it brighter, you, can, you need to make the surroundings darker. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, and and that's kind of what they do here in the, with this song. That's interesting. I guess dynamics too. You know, if you listen to that drum track, wow, that was a good drum track. I thought I loved the one in Can oh. I Play with Madness, but this was a yeah. whole new level. I mean, Nico, this how is, good is Nico? I think I've underestimated Nico more than a young Ingve would have underestimated himself. <laughs> I think most people yeah. do. I think I think people only think of Nico as the guy Fantastic. who did the. Did the uh, Where Eagles Dare yeah. intro, but he's got so many amazing drum parts. Fantastic drum it's, part in yeah. this one. <laughs> How could that take? Wah. Off the roof. And, but also, That's, without a click yeah, track. We couldn't hear Clive well. isolated. I think it's not available, but that would be cool to hear too. For example, this song, Children of the Dam. Yeah. I think it'd be equally awesome, but in a way different type of energy, different type of flow. That would have been cool, yeah. That's where we are at. Fun episode today. Okay. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Loved being here again. It's almost always fun. Yeah, you're welcome fun. anytime. Yeah, I'll send you the insiders again, unless, unless you figure out how to do it. <laughs> I figured out now yeah. an automatic way to get the A to C, but I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna spoil it for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, well, yeah, thanks for on. listening, everybody. Uh, I don't know what we're back with next week. To be transparent, we pre-recorded an episode or two. So I'm not sure where we are at right now in the sequence of things. But you can find out by following us on. Uh, Instagram made an AZ pod. Uh, you can enter Friends of the Beast, the insider group that is 
free for everyone to enter on Facebook. Yeah. And also we have a normal uh, Made in AC Pod account on Facebook as well. We're just posting the episodes. Or you can, you can also email us at maidenazpod at gmail.com. That's right. With anything Maiden related. Yeah. Made in AC. Or any, anything, anything you want to do. Yeah. You know. Or maybe you could suggest a catchphrase. We don't have one. So we're always just no, we saying uh, the old one, but we like to say it right. I think uh, base Eric, you could say it today. Yes. Well, first off, happy birthday, Steve. Uh, and up the irons. Uh, yet the weird if I were catchphrase were happy birthday, Steve. Och så är jag med Ja, men, men verkligen.